0: Good morning, Christ the King. Good morning. Um, My name is Marco Zapata. I'm privileged to preach the word of God today. I'm part of the staff here at Christ the King. And today I have the great privilege uh, to end our current preaching series that we've been looking at the last couple of weeks is Song of Ascents. This is a series within the Psalms of 15 Psalms, specifically from 120 to 134, that describe the journey that the Hebrew people took as they made, uh, they made their way to the holy city, to Jerusalem. Fifteen Sundays ago, our Pastor Chuck started us on this amazing trek when he preached Psalm 120, and he preached about repentance. And that's the first logical step, isn't it? I mean, once God calls us, within us, repentance is the very first thing we do, that, that's what gets us started on this long obedience in the same direction that we've been talking about. So today, we will be seeing the second shortest psalm in the Bible, which is Psalm 134. But we will see that despite the shortness, it's extremely powerful. Let us start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we have gathered here today with the sole purpose to praise your name. We pray that you open our minds and our hearts to receive your wisdom and knowledge. We also pray that as we listen to your word, we may have the ability to see what you have called us to do. In the name of your son Jesus, amen. Let's start by reading the passage. This is Psalm 134. It's only three verses. I'll read. It says, Come, Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. So let me set the scene on what's going on here. After a very long journey maybe it was four or five days, sometimes weeks, depending on where you're coming from, we have finally arrived at Jerusalem. We can see the temple in all its glory. This is a time of festivities, celebration. A lot of people take this time to perhaps repent, but there's also joy and a lot of worship going on. But after the the festivities are over, I mean, we can't stay here forever, right? We have animals in the farm back home that need us. We have fields that need attending to. Perhaps we left a family member or two behind and we need to go back to them. So now it's time to start the journey back home. And Jewish people didn't have the latest Tesla car with air conditioning, they had to walk. And so a lot of these long journeys started several hours before the sun came up to get a head start, the heat of the day. They didn't want to go through that. So this psalm that we just read, it's almost like the Jewish people are saying, okay, we're leaving now. Uh, Servants of the Lord in the temple, the Levites and the priests, please, while we leave, You continue to bless the Lord in our absence. Continue to bless the Lord in our representation. And it's almost like the priests and the Levites say, go in peace. And then they pronounce the Lord's blessing over them as they are departing on their long journey. So as we see, this is a psalm about blessing. About six months ago, I invited Dawson to preach at our Spanish service here at 1 o'clock. And let me tell you, I had no idea that Dawson could preach that well in Spanish. I mean, he did awesome. No, not really. I I translated the whole thing. But he really did give a great sermon. The whole reason why I'm talking about it right now is that he, he made an impression because I remember that he preached on the story of Jesus healing the ten lepers or the ten men with leprosy, I should say. And if you remember, uh, these ten men with leprosy see Jesus, and they start calling out to him, Jesus, bless us, Jesus, heal us. And Jesus looks at them, and he takes pity on them, and and he says, go to the priest. And all ten of them start making their way over to the priest, all ten of them realize that on their way over, they are completely healed. And this is where the story starts getting really interesting. Do you remember how many of those ten men that had been healed actually came back to Jesus to say, Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Thank you for blessing me. That's right. Only one. So if you are anything like me, most of the time, we behave like the nine lepers. We receive God's blessing, but we we just forget about it. We don't bless Him in return. We don't thank Him for the many blessings He showers over us. So today that's the question. Am I blessing the Lord for His many blessings that He gives me? Today I want to see two main points. And the first point is, bless the Lord, verses 1 and 2. And then our second point is, may the Lord bless you, verse 3. Let's start with, bless the Lord. So verse 1 says, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. What exactly does it mean to bless the Lord? I remember growing up that we would sing this uh, hymn based on Psalm 103. And it said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And I would struggle with this a bit because I would always think, I mean, it's easy for me to understand the concept of God blessing me. I mean, we're human. We depend on Him. We need His daily provision. But how how do I bless God? What can I give the creator of the universe that He doesn't already have? The Hebrew language helps us understand this a little bit more because in Hebrew, there are actually two different words for blessing. We only have one. He blesses us, we bless him. Same thing in Spanish, bendecir, bendecir. But in Hebrew, there's two different words. When God blesses us, that's a word, but when we bless him, the word changes. The word is barak, and it literally means to kneel. So Us blessing the Lord is an act of worship. It's an act of reverence and awe. That's how we bless the Lord. The question is should we bless the Lord? And I'm just not just talking Christians here. Should everyone on earth bless the Lord? Let's go back to the very beginning. Let's go back to creation. God created everything in existence, a perfect world, a perfect universe. He was under no obligation to create us. He didn't have to. He doesn't need us. He's God. Yet, the Bible teaches us that we have a God that delights in our praise. We have a God that delights when we bless Him. Going back to the first question of the Westminster Catechism, and this is something that should never get old. Oh, the the first question of the Catechism again. No, this is something that gives us explanation for our very existence, I would say. It says, what is the chief end of man? Answer, man's chief end is to, what? Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So all these existential questions that we could have, oh, who am I? Why am I here? Um, why do I exist? All those should be completely answered only when we truly understand this. We were created to bless God. There are many things that we could use a hammer for. We could use it to prop a door open so it doesn't close on us. We shouldn't, but if you really wanted to, you could maybe use the hammer to hurt someone with it. So your papers don't go flying away, we could use the hammer as a paperweight. But that's not what the hammer was created for. And we, as humans, there's a lot of things that we can do. There's a lot of good things we can do. But we should be doing all of those good things for the glory of God. That's why we were created, to glorify Him, to bless Him. And the last thing I'll point out here is that we could say, um, somebody could ask you, are you blessing God? Oh yeah, when I brush my teeth, I'm blessing God. When I drive, I'm blessing God. When I go to work every single day, I'm blessing God. Good. If that's the reason why you're doing great. You should. But on top of that, we should, all of us, prepare and put aside a specific time away from distractions where the only purpose is to bless God. Nothing can nor should replace this time. Let's go back to... Verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, all you servants who stand by night in the house of the Lord. There's many Bible verses that tell us that the duty of the Levites and the priests was to guard the temple, not only by day, but throughout the night as well. And not simply just guard. They were supposed to praise God through the night. Obviously, they had different shifts, but someone was always there guarding the temple and praising God. Try to imagine this. Try to imagine the temple. The sacred fire was kept burning on the altar all night. Try to picture the oil lamps through the temple that burned all night long. Try to imagine the songs and the hymns of praise that you could hear throughout the night. We have biblical accounts of men that woke up at night and then they went to the temple to pray, meaning that the temple was open. There were people there. Is this only for the Levites and the priests? What about us? When should we praise God? In the daytime? Yes. In the nighttime? Yes. Always. Think about the beautiful account of Paul and Silas in jail. Despite the hardship and the pain they were going through, maybe cold, they were singing hymns and praising God in the darkness of night. I grew up as a pastor kid, and at one of the churches that my dad was pastoring, Sometimes they had what call, what was called a prayer vigil or a prayer night watch. And it was this church activity that started around 10 p.m. And it went all the way till the sun came up. And they were just praying. I mean, maybe saying a hymn or two, but mainly just praying. And a lot of parents wanted to attend this church activity, and they just couldn't leave their kids at home sleeping alone at night. So a lot of the parents brought us kids over to the church activity all night long. And we weren't going to sit there and pray for whatever, 10 hours or whatever it is. So we were out in the basketball court next to the church, and we were just running around and, and screaming and yelling and having the times of our lives out there going crazy. And every now and then, an adult would come out and say, Hey, shh, hush, we're praying in there. So we would go up to the church doors and look in and peek in, and we would see all of them praying. And I just remember thinking, all these people praying, they have all just completely lost their minds. I mean, it's 3 in the morning. What are they doing in there, right? But then I grew up, and I got a job at Kinko's. Some of you don't know what Kinko's is. It's an executive. Now it's the FedEx office stores or something like that. And my job was to make copies all night long. Why they need somebody making copies all night, I don't know, but I got paid, so I was, I was there. And I remember that a couple of times I would go out of the building, because I was there by myself, and I would go and walk out away from the noise of the copy machines, away from the buzzing lights, away from, listen to it, even the, the, air, the air conditioning noise. And I would go and stand in the middle of darkness in the parking lot next to my car. And I remember I was going through a hard time in my life at the moment. And I remember just praying to God. And there's something extra special about the tranquility and solemnity, peacefulness of the night. It made me feel extra close and connected to God. A lot of times it's just very hard to replicate that in the daytime with so many distractions and noise. But I remember feeling really close to God. And the other time, there's many times where I felt really close to God. The other time that I really, really vividly remember was also at night. I was late at night at a beach in southern Mexico, all alone, don't ask me why, but I was standing in the sand and I remember hearing the crashing waves. And I remember everything was dark. I remember looking up at thousands of stars and remember thinking, wow, these are the same stars that Abraham looked upon when God made a covenant with him. So, when should we bless God? Always, day and night. Because his mercies are ever new, our praises to him should be continual. Verse 2 says, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. If we do raise our hands and praise God, do we understand what we are doing and why we are doing it? Or do we just do it because everybody else is doing, it? oh, okay, that's what we do. I grew up in the Presbyterian churches of southern Mexico, and down there, I never really saw anybody lifting their hands to praise God. I mean, down there, if they ever saw Pastor Chuck's little Presbyterian dance, it would, it would have been scandalous, mm-mm, no. But I started as an adult to raise my hands in praise here at Christ the King. I mean, the first time I saw, oh, okay, is that what we do? And then (laughs) second Sunday, okay, I guess, is anybody looking at me? I was more worried about that. Now I just raise my hands. It makes me so glad, and now I understand when we receive the benediction, I love it. I just raise my hands. And I love that we're teaching that same thing to our kids at a young age. Not always, but sometimes I kind of think that in our denomination, we think, well, this this other denomination, they do this and they do that and they do whatever. No, no, I don't want them to confuse me with this other denomination. So I'm just going to do the complete opposite. That's what I'm going to do. But is that really where our hearts should be? Is that really how we should be thinking? I mean, what does the Bible say? That's what I want to do. And I'm not trying to convince anyone that they should, or if you believe that you shouldn't, well, that's okay. But I just want to make sure that our convictions are based on Scripture. I won't go through all of these passages, but the Bible teaches us that the lifting of hands is an expression of so many good things. First of all, it signifies an act of prayer towards God. There are many biblical passages where people lifted their hands in adoration, in confession, in thanksgiving, and in supplication. The lifting of the hands teaches us that we should also lift our minds and our hearts to God. It expresses dependence on God. And when we open our hands, we also acknowledge that we receive the shower of God's many blessings upon us. So let's keep all these things in mind today when we receive the benediction from our pastor. Now let's go on to our second point. May the Lord bless you. Verse 3 is a beautiful verse. It says, May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Do we take the Lord's blessing for granted? Are we understanding, and are we giving it the importance that it deserves. Perhaps we will never fully comprehend what it means to receive the Lord's blessing. But today, I would just like for us to consider that it is something that we should definitely be more aware of, and we should reflect and study more. There are many beautiful blessings in the Bible, like the one found here in verse 3. But we should also know that in Scripture... There are two major blessings, and they are parallel to each other. In the New Testament, we have what's called the apostolic benediction. And we don't have time to read it right now, but you should. If you're a note-taker, you should write it down. It's in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. When you get home, read it. It's beautiful. And you've heard it before, I'm sure. And then, parallel to that, in the Old Testament we have what's called the Aaronic Blessing. And this one I will read. It's in Numbers 6.24. And it says, pay attention to this, because we, we hear it a lot, but are we really paying attention to the words? It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Are we really understanding the magnitude of what this is saying? I think a lot of times we just receive the blessing, amen. Okay, I guess it's time for the donuts now. (laughs) Are we understanding (laughs) what it's saying? We could dedicate many sermons to this blessing. But today, I just want to point out one thing. It says, the Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Notice the emphasis here on the face of God. I mean, this is saying that God Almighty, God creator of the universe, is giving you and you and you and you personal divine attention. What this is saying, the implications are huge. It means that God loves us so much that He kneels among us. He needs to come to our level to be face-to-face with you. God in all His power and divinity He comes to our level because of his love for us. You are receiving face-to-face closeness one-on-one time with our king. Some of you know my daughter, Ariana, and she can be all over the place, up the walls, everything. And a lot of times when I feel like I have to tell her something that I feel is important, sometimes I feel that she's not really paying attention to me. So sometimes I have to go to her level, and then I go and I grab her face and I say, Ariana, I love you. Ariana, God loves you. Do you know that? God loves you. And that's exactly what God does to us. He's coming face to face with us when he gives us his blessing. He's thinking of the, the people, yes, but he's also a personal God. Finally, going back to us blessing God, what is our motivation? Is the reason why we bless God so that he then he can shower us with many blessings? I'm going to do that so he blesses me. Is that why we do it? No. If we are blessing God the biblical way as we should, it is only because he has blessed us first. Our blessing should be in gratitude for all He has done for us. 1 John 4.19 teaches us that we love God because He loved us first. It's exactly the same with blessing. The desire to bless God cannot just simply be born from us out of nothing. It comes from Him, and we should be in this amazing cycle that begins with God. God blesses us, we bless Him in return. God blesses us, we bless Him for His many blessings. And we do need all of God's blessings upon us. Let's think about this. He has also, on top of that, has blessed us with the ultimate blessing of all blessings. He sent his only son, Jesus, to die a shameful death on that cross so you and I would not have to die for our sins. By his death and resurrection, we now have eternal life. What a blessing that is. If you are sitting here today and you are not a Christian, you can change that today. The best way you can bless God is by repenting of your sin and then trusting and then following him. And if you are a Christian, my brother, my sister, let's be more aware of the many blessings that God gives us daily let's not be like the nine lepers let's continue to bless the lord day and night let us pray merciful father thank you for your word work in our lives we pray that we may not only be mere listeners of your word but please make us doers of your word that we may bless you for your endless blessings upon us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.